I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and poker should not be played in a house with women. (laughs) And my name is Colin Drucker, and it was the Tarantula. I stayed at a hotel called the Tarantula Arms. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, the Tarantula. I mean, just... Just that word, the yeah. tarantula. It's yes. such a drag name. <laughs> yeah, it is. Have you ever, like, would you ever hold a tarantula? You know how people are like, they're really actually safe and cute. Ugh. No, no. You and I'm sure spiders. they are. Yeah, that's like people who try to sell you on, like, I don't know, olives. I don't like olives. You're not going <laughs> to sell me on olives. I know people love olives. People say they're amazing. And I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. I like it. Yeah. I like olive oil. Don't push it, you know? So I feel the same about tarantulas. Like, I like ladybugs. Don't push it. I was just saying, the only bugs that I would ever, ever let crawl on my hand, or anywhere else on my body, that sounded provocative, but um, <laughs> is a ladybug or a lightning bug? Do you have lightning oh, bugs where you are? Absolutely. So catch them as a kid and yeah, put them in margarine gentle. containers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, shake them, them up. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah. It's awful. Poor lightning bugs. Uh, I never shook them up. Neither did I, yeah. I think think maybe once we would hit them with baseball bats, which was terrible. Terrible. But we were kids. And my grandpa told me to do it. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll do this now. I didn't feel... I think I stopped very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It's really kind of psycho behavior. Well, you know, I mean, it's so funny. That's actually... There's something oddly fitting about that anecdote in talking about streetcar named Desire. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like all these people have little stories like that where it's just like, oh, gosh, that tells me so much. Oh, God. <laughs> the men, the violence in this movie. It's the like, men. Uh, I mean, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. I um, had you, I, Streetcar Named Desire, I kind of feel like either seeing productions of it or reading it or seeing other like filmed versions yeah. of it. Like how familiar are you with, or were you with it before watching this? Yeah. I went through like a, I call it like a faux Tennessee Williams phase. Cause I was like in high school and I thought I was so cool. And I like, I bought like the, just like a, what's the word? It was like three plays in one, but it was like a yeah. book. It was like night of the iguana and it was like cat on a hot tin roof and uh, Streetcar Named Desire, and I'm most familiar with this play. I love a good four-person play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm Especially when it's like two couples, it reminds me of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf oh. in some way, and there's some parallels to an extent uh, with this. But um, uh, yeah, and I never, ever, ever seen a lick of this movie uh, besides, you know, mm-hmm. like Stella, you know, at an Oscars montage, you know, uh, <laughs> right, descending the stairs. Yeah, yeah but I, yeah. I, I, had, I did not know about Kim Hunter, and this is my first Vivian Lee performance I've ever seen. Wow, which is yeah. a lot. I know everyone. Yeah. I know, but how about you, Colin? Um, well, I, um, I would say I have, uh, I, I'm somewhat familiar with Tennessee Williams. I have his like this like a monstrous biography that is like i don't know 700 pages and i'm i'm i got halfway through a long time ago and i'd love to finish it it was fascinating i felt like i just there's so much about him and his life that it's like in the same way that his plays just have so much like oh there's just so much nuance and there's so many like like things under the surface to unpack i feel like his life was the same way and so um i'd love to you know be a completist about that but in terms of his stuff, I am most familiar with The Glass Menagerie because I've seen like four different oh, productions right. of it, um, which is it feels like a weird theatrical hum- humble brag. It's just like I've happened to see it a number of times, and I rarely see – I think Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is like the only other play, maybe Doubt, where I've seen like a few different 
versions of it. Yeah. Um, and so Glass Menagerie, I mean, it's also essentially a four-person play, two men, two women. That's true. Um, it's very, I mean, in some ways, the characters, they're s- very similar in that, like, Amanda Wingfield and Blanche Dubois, there's definitely some correlations. Yes. I would say Laura Wingfield and Stella, there's definitely some correlations. Mitch and Jim are, <laughs> like, basically, you know. Yeah, the same. same the same character guy, and same yeah. role. Yeah. Um, Jim's, you know, a little bit more decent. And then, obviously, like, Stanley Kowalski and Tom are totally different characters i think uh tom is tom is sort of like the assumed homosexual and stanley is kind of the absolute heterosexual so yeah and so i feel like streetcar named desire always felt to me like the even more um extravagant sister of the glass menagerie like sure the narrative felt even even heavier and sweatier and and more complicated and and darker. Um, and the Glass Menagerie is like no um, joyride. Yeah. So uh, so I had never seen any productions of Streetcar Named. No, actually, I take that back. I saw the National Theater a few years ago, and it's actually now airing again. You can see it on YouTube. <gasps> but they showed a the Young Vic production from London of Streetcar Named Desire with Gillian Anderson. Ooh. Which is as of recording now, and I don't know how much longer is on YouTube. If you look it up, okay, it's so good. It is. Uh, she. I mean, I have such a deeper appreciation of Julian Anderson now. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I had seen that. So I actually like went into the movie having like, an understanding of the play, and it's one of those movies where it was like I. I just wanted to go tell everybody, have you seen A Streetcar Named Desire? This is a great movie. Yes, I know. And like, yeah, we know. <laughs> Doi. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting that you mentioned um, the Gillian Anderson one, because I have like this little, and I don't know when the when they get into this, but I have a, a little section called A Streetcar Named Desire through the years of all like the revivals, because uh-huh. as soon as, yeah, it's... Uh, mm-hmm. As soon as this started, I was like, ooh, it's like every gay man is born a casting director. Um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I just immediately, I didn't actually come up with like a mo- like a modern day version of who would play them now because it's it's really kind of crazy. Um, Vivian Lee was only 38 when she did this movie and actresses that are 38 right now are like the Natalie Portman's or Kirsten Dunst's of the world. Isn't that nuts? To- That's it, like- nuts. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I just, I can't imagine them no matter, I mean, it would feel ridiculous in some ways. It would feel so crazy. And like, mm-hmm. and, and uh, like the Stellas of this age would be like, cause she was 29 when Kim Hunter mm-hmm. is like Jennifer Lawrence or Margot Robbie, like those wow. type of, uh, and then even crazier, like the Marlon Brando's, um, the Stanleys mm-hmm. of the world right now are, he was only 27 when he did this. So it's like... <laughs> I, I really had a hard time looking up 27-year-old actors. One, because I felt like a dinosaur not knowing who anyone was. But I did right. know it's like Josh Hutcherson. He was in the uh, the Hunger Games uh-huh. movies. And oh, yes. yes Peter. Peter Mallard. And then the other one that I came up with is Nick Jonas is 27. Oh, God. Well, how old is uh, Timothée Chalamet? I know. Uh, Timothée. Uh, he's 24. Say. He's 24. So he's a little young. But I thought of that, too. I was like, mm-hmm. he's the only one that I could sort of come up yeah. with that but um i could see him as tom in the glass menagerie i feel like i could see that being happening all brooding at some point. yeah yeah and like vaguely gay but i um i yeah i definitely could not see him as stanley it's i did look up some of the notes on, on revivals and casting and so i'm very excited because without spoiling your segment i there were some fun uh Best Supporting Podcast Connections. There were, yes. Yeah, I yeah. know. I was super so, excited. Should we get into it? Or do you want to talk about other things first? Uh, let's, I where mean. Where does that fit? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's, I mean, that's, we're certainly here to celebrate Kim Hunter, obviously, this week. And and I what I would say is, like, on the offset, on, you know, from the jump, as the kids would say, one of the best, best supporting actress performances I've seen. Yeah, this is, like, textbook, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think this. I mean, <clears throat> I think the fact that she like originated the role on Broadway. Yes. it's kind of that that same feeling that I got from the Diary of Anne Frank, where it was like, oh man, these people know, like they they live in these roles, yes. and especially because this was like the you know the Stanislavski method actors, you know, inhabiting these roles. It's yes, like, <clears throat> like watching Kim Hunter and Marlon Brando work together is 
to, together. People always give him so much credit, and yeah, it's it's sort of revolutionary acting, you know, for the time. But like the way that she works with his energy is almost more impressive. Yes, yes, yes. She has a like the character itself is written in this sort of um kind of trying to keep the peace between both parties too and like mm-hmm. she obviously loves stanley and it's it's complicated but i i really just like the role itself it's like yes yeah. it's all about blanche i i agree it's all about blanche but there's a mm-hmm. lot about stella too it's like don't forget stella uh yeah don't count her out don't count her out and i think that this stella is a great example of what um, the infamous Stinky Lulu wrote, wrote about in terms of the quintessential best supporting actress. Yes. I mean, obviously... Oh, know, yeah. What were the words? She the words. maximized her possibilities with her adequate um, proportions. She yes. had both adequate proportions and maximized possibilities. Yes. But I also feel like this role, it's... I I mean, I think it's the kind of role... He says, like, it's the kind of role where... a it would make it sort of it would bring out the the light of a good actress but a great actress would totally shine yes i think this is the kind of role where it requires a really really nuanced actress because i think it'd be very easy for stella to feel kind of lost in the mix of the other two and feel less impactful and i found that it was like there were these quiet notes of realizing like oh stella is not just a victim here yes 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 she has an active hand in this and I'm not saying it's her fault for getting hit or anything like that, but her participation in her relationship with Stanley is so fascinating. And I think that those nuances could get lost. And conversely, I think the way that Kim Hunter brought those nuances out, I mean, I was just in awe. I was just in awe of her the mm-hmm. entire time. And, uh, and the, bangs, all three of them. the bangs, Colin. Uh, oh, they, they, the hair they basically, is like, yeah. well, 90% of the character is the hair. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, it's really incredible. But I think, you know, uh, I want to just kind of mention Stella from the outset that we will be talking about her. But I would sure. love to open with um, talking about some other, as iconic and perfect, I think, as Kim Hunter is, really all three of them, I think, in these roles. I would love to talk about some other casting throughout the years. Ooh, let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna toss it back to 1984 here. Uh, Anne Margaret played yes. Blanche Dubois. Won a Golden Globe for it. Um, mm. This is like a TV. This is. I don't think any of these are actually like film remakes. They were just like sort of um, limited I think that series. That was a. Yeah, that was a yeah. TV remake. Yeah. Uh, and then Treat Williams was in it. He played Stanley. Beverly D'Angelo played <laughs> Stella. I I love it because I'm. It's just like there's there's like the actressing Mad Libs that I'm interested in. Yes. Is insert obscure actress playing iconic best supporting actress role. Yes. <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo as St- as Stella. I know, and her uh, Christmas Vacation co-star, or just really National Lampoon co-star, Randy Quaid played um, uh, Mitch. And oh, I I could see that. I yeah. can definitely see it. Yes. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. cool for him because usually mm-hmm. he's like playing such a dope, which. Mitch, in a way, is kind of a dope, but... uh, Right, right. But I think that's, like, there's more layers to Mitch than, like, the, the yes, Cousin Eddie. Yeah. Yes. Did you look at the, the 1995 cast, Colin? Um, Do you I have that? Bl- I could read it to you. Yes, I... I Was that the Alec Baldwin? Yes. No, no, no. That was 92. No, or no it was 95. Yeah, or at least I wrote oh. the... Uh, unless I wrote the year... <laughs> down, uh, wrong you wrote things down i'm i'm pulling from memory i so that was alec baldwin and yes. jessica lang yeah jessica lang who is like the there was i think a dublin zoetrope post where mm-hmm. it was like jessica lang it was like in every movie she plays some version of blanche dubois and mm-hmm. i i can't remember how it was structured but it was really funny um so it's jessica lang alec baldwin john goodwin as uh, john goodman sorry it autocorrected. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Diane Lane as Stella. Yeah, love I that. I love that casting too. I love John Goodman as Mitch. I think that's a. I I would love to see that. That's yes. fascinating. Yeah, and you mentioned previously the uh, the National Theater productions. Gillian Anderson, Ben Foster, um, mm-hmm. such an interesting casting because Ben Foster is someone you that you know. Um, it's like yeah. I can't pinpoint. Like I feel like he had a really really good run. In like the early '90s, like he was in every sort of like, I don't know, like Rookie of the Year movie or like yeah. something, you know, like The Sandlot. Ben, he was mm-hmm. in there. He was somewhere in there. 
Ben Foster was kind of like he like Ethan Embry had kind of the same career trajectory. Ben Foster would play like the nice guy who eventually gets the girl in the end, but gets bullied along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was I saw that. So that production. Yeah, I was very surprised. I was like, Ben Foster. okay, And he was like phenomenal. That's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, and then in that same production was Vanessa Kirby, who I didn't know. She plays young uh, Princess Margaret in The Crown, which I never have got into. Oh, I watched that. I watched the seasons of The Crown where Margaret was played by Helena Bonham Carter, the Ooh, Olivia Colman season. It, so I have it. not seen her either. Yeah. See. And then Corey Johnson, who I don't know as well, but I'm sure he's great as Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember him as, as much, but uh, yeah, I mean, Gillian Anderson is... is it's i mean that was another performance where i was like wow this is like this is athletic this is just incredible um now there's another one am i crazy there's another production where um i believe it was a 2005 roundabout theater production yes well there's one at studio 54 there i I can't remember which one was the roundabout but uh, yeah go ahead though oh so roundabout i believe their theater is uh, studio 54 it's oh, like the old studio 54 uh, okay. no i know but it it but that's you know it's kind of one of those like inside baseball things i think yeah i picture um, like everyone in like a, a tiny room with a low ceiling <laughs> I don't know why. oh yeah <laughs> one of yeah, those I think things <laughs> right yeah there's a lot of cocaine all the shows move very quickly mm-hmm. yeah. but yes that one um had john c Riley as mitch which is like the perfect casting so that i thought so was he? Oh, wait, no, Mitch I'm sorry. Or... He, sorry, sorry. He was not Mitch. He was Stanley. That's right. Because I had the same thought. I was like, the perfect casting for Mitch is John C. Riley. Yeah, he's got such a punum. You know, it's such like, a punum. Yeah, I felt like Carl Malden walked so John C. Riley could run. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, now that is the production I would love to see because, of course, yes, Blanche, played by. Best Supporting Actress nominee and Best Supporting Podcast winner, Amy Ryan. Yeah, you said Blanche, but Stella, Stella, Amy Ryan played Stella because Natasha I Richardson. She played Blanche. Natasha Richardson oh. played Blanche. I know. Look at us. Look at us. We're go. just yeah. We're but just, it's okay. It, yeah. Well, boy, in my mind, for about twenty minutes, I was like, Amy Ryan as Blanche. <laughs> oh, Natasha Richardson as Stella. But now that all makes perfect yeah, sense yeah, to me, yeah. and my my left sides and right sides of my brain have reoriented yeah i would now who played i guess we don't know who played mitch in that his name is chris bauer and i don't know him Mm -hmm. um but i'm sure he's great um and i will mention that amy ryan out of the four was the only one that was nominated for a tony award for best feature actress in a play which we love here at the best supporting pod and yes we we do we're not surprised we're not surprised at all by that no yeah, this is my surprised face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, when I was thinking about kind of fantasy casting, I mean, I think she's certainly on my mind because I've been watching her lately, but I think Kate Blanchett as Blanche is perfect. Yeah. Well, Colin, it happened. Did you know this? It's not, it, there was like some a theater in Australia. She actually like toured with it and it was in Brooklyn for like a hot That's second. right. That's why it's in my mind is because it did happen. Yes. Oh my God! Of course, I Ugh. need to find it. If anyone has a uh, a bootleg of that production, I have mm-hmm. to see it because essentially, also, if you can't see Kate Blanchett in A Streetcar Named Desire, just watch Blue Jasmine because it's it's essentially the same plot. Mm-hmm. Woody Allen just like plucked everyone, uh, right. all those characters, and uh, and Alec Baldwin's in that too. So. Huh. Yeah, and she won an Oscar for that. So. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we love Kate's. Um, I want to mention a couple more castings real quickly throughout the years yeah. through these Broadway revivals. There's been quite a few. Of course, the original was Jessica Tandy, Marlon Brando, Kim Hunter, and Carl Mar- Malden. Excuse me. And then in 1950, I didn't recognize all of the cast. Everyone forgive me, but Uta Hagen played Blanche, which oh. is great. She yes. originated the role of Martha in yes. Miss Pretty Virginia yes. Woolf. Yeah. And then in 1956, Tallulah Bankhead played Blanche. There's a lot of bees in that. Um, And 1988, they had a revival where Blythe Danner played uh, Blanche and Frances McDormand played Stella. Oh, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Blythe Danner was the only one nominated for a Tony out of that cast, but uh, interesting, interesting stuff. I think it's, I mean, I could totally see that. Like a late 80s Frances McDormand. Yes. 
casting wise when i think of what kim hunter was doing that makes perfect sense to me yeah i think like stella has to be she can't she has to be pretty but she can't be beautiful if that makes sense i don't like because i think Mm -hmm. kim hunter in her own right is an attractive woman but there is something about uh, blanche that also has to be like you know the full package of like Mm -hmm. southern belle beauty at the same time too it's like i i really don't know who would play (laughs) I, i picture like Emma Stone being cast as like Blanche oh, Dubois know. in like five years and then I'll kill myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting. I, I really kind of like I almost texted you to ask, like, should we have like a fake or like a sort of faux casting? But I, I couldn't narrow it down, especially after seeing how old these actors and actresses were when they actually made it. I was like, I'm not going to cast Josh Hutcherson in this movie right yeah. I know I mean I think at, at whatever point in her career I would love to see Michelle Williams play Blanche Ooh, I think she would do some amazing amazing work yeah. um, I also I know there have been uh, probably tons of productions where they switch up the genders and they play with race and and all of those you know take away all of the suggestions from the script and and you know flip it on its head and I would love to see that as well that kind of my brain just turns to mush trying to think about like a female Stanley or like uh, a perfect black Stella. Like I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, now, now I, I'm just in heaven and I can't record because I, and I'm thinking about casting. Yes. Too much, oh my gosh. Know? Well, there was, I, I, I forgot to scroll up here. There was uh, the most recent revival was in 2012 and um, it was an all African American cast mm-hmm. and Blair Underwood played Stanley. Do you know who Blair Underwood oh, is? Yeah. He's like yeah, a hunk I'm, of man. He played oh, like uh, yeah. Miranda's, Ooh, Miranda's like upstairs, Yep. like flame for a while in sex in the city and he is mm-hmm. so sexy yeah but also in that same uh cast was daphne rubin vega as stella which i can oh, imagine I love like that. Yeah, yeah um i could just picture her raspy voice just like mm-hmm. annoying me but also fine and then um nicole ari parker played blanche dubois mm-hmm. um i i looked up her imdb i don't really know i didn't recognize anything that i've seen her in but i'm sure she was great and the only tony that, that was nominated for was like best costume design unfortunately it was like a more mm-hmm. modern version of it i think mm-hmm. um so we're due for a revival i'll say they do like gosh they do the glass menagerie like every three years it's like the, oh, it's like it, the yeah. gypsy of plays it's like gypsies being revived mm-hmm. every six years or something like that so it'd be cool yeah I would say I'm good on Glass Benagerie revivals. I, yeah. I saw Sally Field as in uh, yeah. a few years ago. I saw Cherry Jones do it a few years ago. Oh, yeah. um, there was someone else. I saw Judith Ivy. Uh, I don't know if you know huh. her, but yeah. But she's she's one of those actresses you like probably you'd know her by seeing her maybe than, more than you would knowing her by name. Um, oh wait, but, Judith uh, Ivy was she in Adam's Family? Was she in the Adams That's family? That's Dana Ivy. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. at least I got the Ivies right. Hey, you got close. Wrong yeah. Ivy. Wrong Ivy. Gosh, I keep. Fr- I I went in a weird order, and there's one more revival that I forgot to mention, which is the Alec Baldwin Jessica Lange revival on Broadway. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, Amy Madigan played Stella in that production. They did um an actual like TV movie. They took mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin and Jessica Lange, and then they plugged in John Goodman and Diane Lane for that. But they also did a revival three years earlier on Broadway yes. with Alec Baldwin, Jessica Lange. Uh, and then Amy Madigan played Stella, but I just thought we'd bring that up because she was in Gone Baby Gone, right? Amy Madigan. Yes. I knew I knew that Amy Madigan was on my mind because, yes, because she played Stella as well. So, so interesting. Yeah. Amy Ryan and Amy Madigan. A uh, couple of Stellas. Couple of, Just a couple of Stellas. <laughs> Certainly, I think this show is, yes, it, it brings out every the casting director and every gay man because... Um, it, it lets you cast two very different women's roles. Yeah. Oh, it's um, delicious. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, uh, we are here to talk specifically about Kim Hunter, mm. uh, who in 1951, or for, you know, the Academy Awards for 1951, obviously won Best Supporting Actress. Yes. She also won the Golden Globe. I saw that too. Um, and in terms of uh, Academy Awards, in terms of who she beat out. Yeah, a lot of alums here. Yeah, of the BSA pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, there's also BSA pod alums. There's Lee Grant in, a te- in Detective Story and Thelma Ritter from The Mating Season. Um, Mildred Dunnick in Death of a Salesman as Linda. And then Joan Blondell in The Blue Veil. Yes. It's interesting seeing 
Death of a Salesman and Streetcar Named Desire kind of side by side since they kind of come from the same era. Oh, yeah. Cut from the same cloth. Yes. Yeah. One in a is way. Very, in a way, because what I was going to say is yeah, like the, one of them is very clearly written by a straight man and one of them is very clearly written by a gay man. Yes. Like, the, the flourish is all there, but both of them are really powerful. Uh, to me, Kim Hunter is one of those nominations where it was like, yeah, there is zero question here that she should win yes. the award. Like, I, no question. Um, she did not attend the Academy Awards, so no. we don't have a speech from her. Betty Davis accepted her award that year, and it, I was just so happy to see uh, George Sanders. Saunders? Sanders. Saunders. I always go back and forth because he seems like such a Saunders um, mm-hmm. who won for All About Eve the year before, so I was excited to see him. And... He come out, he came out like all regal and then like Betty Davis just like saunters up to the stage and grabs it and it was a funny moment. If you get mm-hmm. a chance, like watch it. It's it's really cute. Um to everyone out there. But okay. Um moving back to Kim, this could easily be almost like um Nick in um Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf. I feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot mm-hmm. of like not that he's taught, he doesn't have the same responsibilities that uh, Stella has in this film, but there's always a Nick, if that makes sense. And yeah, like you're saying, it's like there is something so grounded and real about the way that she acts in this movie. And I think that mm-hmm. what you were saying before, just adding on to the like the realism and sort of the method acting of it all, too, is... And like, it's just funny because All About Eve was the year before. And I think about like uh, Anne Baxter and like how melodramatic she would get sometimes when she's like talking about how much she loves the theater and then like the music would be playing. And there's that sort of affected, is it the transatlantic accent? You know what I mean? And it's. Yeah, yeah. Tra- I think it's transatlantic. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like how it's kind of stripped away a little bit, at least for uh, Kim Hunter, and how she's just a real woman who's just trying to get by and like I think her story is interesting within the play because she leaves Belle Reve which I keep wanting to call Belle Rev it looks like Rev the whole time mm-hmm. but whatever someone her, her the father dies or the mother dies and then she just like flees the coop right it's like she's mm-hmm. just like let me I'm just gonna go and she finds Stanley who is it's like she knows the kind of life that she signed up for at the same time but she's making the best of it and it's also clearly an abusive relationship and it's like even the way she walks through the apartment i mm-hmm. think that there's something like you can hear her feet scuffing on the ground there's i just love that they added that like there's a casual sort of uh, nonchalant she even though stanley is the quote-unquote king of the house it's like she's definitely the queen and she does like uh take advantage of her power as much as she can within reason with like opposite of Stanley too. It's like she can give him the business. And Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, one of the moments I feel like she really wanted was her walking down those stairs. That was like some stare acting. acting. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that's definitely a big theme in this movie is that there's not just this kind of conflicting of worlds of, of, of Blanche coming into Stella and Stanley's lives, but there's also just the meta level of like Kim Hunter, Marlon Brando. Most of the primary actors all came from the original Broadway production. Yeah, which I love. I love. Which I love, love that, and and they come with a certain acting style and a certain um, understanding of the world. And then Vivian Lee comes in, you know, giving this sort of prim and proper British, you know, trained yes. traditional actress yes. Um, yes. energy, and. It's, I mean, it's kind of perfect in a way. It's kind of a perfect conflict. And uh, the movie kind of has to, like, I felt like in thinking about that, I was thinking about the breakdown, not just of Blanche throughout the movie, but the breakdown of Vivian Lee throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Not that it was filmed, you know, chronologically, but I think where her performance kind of, for much of the movie, allows her to stay in that realm, to kind of stay prim and proper for for lack of a better term yeah. and then and to kind of stay transatlantic even if she's putting on the southern accent to kind yes. of keep all of that affectation and then towards the end to see that the way that it breaks and to see how like to me i think the moment when mitch holds her up to the light and we see her i feel like we see her for the first time as well yeah and 
all of the all of it's gone all, like it's just like oh wow you are like completely exposed here and all of like all of the kind of um I don't know the the Vivian Leeness of this is gone as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like now you're one of us. You're this raw method actor now, Viv. Yeah, we broke you in. <laughs> We've broken you down, and and it's really really fascinating. I mean, I think um, it's hard to, you know, we're talking about Kim Hunter here, but it's hard to not talk about Vivian Lee because I think it's, I I really think it's one of the best performances I've seen mm-hmm. in a long time, yeah. and it's one of those performances where I just want to applaud because i'm like we you worked your ass off in this movie you worked your ass off every scene um but i think that's also a a good lens to talk about kim hunter because the work that she's doing inherently has to be so much less showy Mm -hmm. and she is bringing this completely different approach that feels more lived in and a little rougher around the edges and much more natural and and it's a relief like it's such a relief i think streetcar named desire is such a pivotal movie because it's like there's so much in this that's a turning point in movies in terms of even just like the score the fact that there's jazz in in the film score like that had never happened before in an american movie yeah and so there were those moments where i was like you're so used to kind of hearing that it's almost like almost like elevator music the sort of background you know yes uh, the strings the strings the kind of just you know plaintive strings in the background and you just get used to it and it's a little off-putting you know if that's not your style yeah but then when like the jazz score would kick in and and the the mood would change it was like oh this is this is i love this i love yeah it's exciting um and so i think yeah there's there's just there's something very volatile about this movie that I really appreciate. And yet, despite all of that, Kim Hunter has to kind of like play it low and cool for so much of it and get so few moments to really break out. And I think um, that restraint, I mean, we always kind of talk about like, it's more impressive to watch an actor try to not cry yes. than to cry through their lines. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what she has to do through so much of this movie is is not overreact or not really react at all or react in kind of strange muted ways because we're meeting Stella long after Stanley has broken her down. Yes. Oh man. It's like, I I just, I said this already too, but I just think there's something really fascinating about the dynamic of having to, I don't know, like cater to your sister but also keep your husband happy at the same time too when like mm-hmm. the sister and the husband are like oil and water. It's like, how do you mm-hmm. juggle that? And she does it fairly well. Like she's doing the best that she can. And like and like you said, kind of keeping her temper to herself because she knows it's like the only time that she really properly yells at Stanley too is, there might be a couple moments too, but it's like at the dinner table and like she knows. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it's it's not even like she regrets it. I feel like she had to say it and she she has to do that every once in a while and he'll blow up because he's Stanley, but mm-hmm. she knows that he'll only be like out of commission for like 15 minutes or so and then she'll go chase him down in the alley. It's like that maternal instinct that she has too. It's like she she even says in in the um the movie she's like I like taking care of you Stella or or Blanche it reminds me of being home. And she is older than her by like you know what was it like nine months or like something Mm -hmm. like that she is the older sister um but i but is that true i thought that blanche was lying about that oh she might have been and and i fell for it yeah my yeah my sense was that blanche was is that makes much older yes look at that the blanche is working her magic on me colin yeah i even yeah (laughs) because i um i I reread the play also, before I watch the movie again, too, because you can read a play mm-hmm. in a day. It's they're so I know, quick. Right? I often forget that. I should really bump that up. But um, and there's a couple things that are like they do not mention. I, I watched an interview with Kim Hunters, um, uh, and she said that like a couple things that were changed from the the play to the movie, and the one thing that she really regretted, which I think is or she said was integral to the play is like, they never mentioned the word like homosexual. They never mentioned that moment where she catches, where Blanche catches her, you know, previous beau with another man. It's just like mm-hmm. he, it's they just kind of paint him as this like tortured poet who couldn't cope. And then he killed himself. It's, it's yeah. not really, which 
gosh, that would have been so great if they added that. But like homosexuality, it's like 1951. It's like, what are they going to do? But even then also, not that I'm like, you know, aching for a rape scene, but I think there is something really integral about the fact that Stanley eventually rapes Blanche. Mm -hmm. And I think I was surprised... I mean, I think they show they they implied it as much as they could in yes. 1951. Yes, uh, the play certainly is not as subtle about it happening, but I think um, there are those elements of the movie where I was like, okay, I mean, some of the heat gets taken out of the story. I mean, the ending is altered to be more of a, a Hollywood ending, and that really mm-hmm. put me off. I was like, oh god, like. I know this is not how the play ends. She does not make that declaration. I'm never going back there again. You know? Yeah, I just reread it again this morning because I was like, that's really not what happens. It's like she gets, Blanche gets carted away and Stella's just like weeping. And Stanley mm-hmm. just says, it's okay, it's okay, baby. It's it's okay, love. And then the last line of the play is like, the game is seven cards stud or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then it's puts like, his hand curtains. in her shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, I think that like to your point about Stella, I think that she, <clears throat> that's what I found most uh, kind of impressive about this performance was watching silently how Stella navigates from those moments of where she does stand up to Stanley. And mm-hmm. you're right. she I don't think she regrets it. I think she doesn't necessarily fear Stanley. Yeah. I mean, I think that the when he's playing the poker game and she's playing the music and he get like she doesn't care that he's pissed she's annoyed that he's drunk but that doesn't like cue her to like walk on eggshells she doesn't do that codependent thing with him not not that thing she does a lot of other codependent sure, things with yeah. him um <clears throat> but i think what i was where i really saw a different side of stella was like she she has a she doesn't let it out as much, but she has a rage and a temper in her that can match Stanley because when he throws the radio out the window, then she snaps. That, to me, was one of my favorite Stella moments is when she starts kicking those guys out of the house. She pulls one guy from the from his the back of his shirt and pulls him back out of a chair. Yeah. And he goes flying backwards. Like, it is so volatile. And mm-hmm. I, like, the men, I think you said before, like, the men are just so, like, violent and they're so... There's just so much like like testosterone and like unbridled energy in these men and they're so quick to fight. And that scene's fascinating because Stella is right there in the mix. Yes. Like throwing punches. And Grant then Stan, you know, Stanley hits her. But um I I think that that's really integral to Stella and I think Kim Hunter again just does it fucking perfectly of showing us that Stella is not this weak little thing. Yes. And while Stanley has broken her down she wouldn't be here if she wasn't getting something out of it. And I think that's what's so interesting about Stella is she's, there's something about Stanley where she, she enjoys it. I mean, she talks about their wedding night and when he broke all the, all the light bulbs and she says, I kind of liked it or, you know, I, I I got a thrill out of it. And, and it's like, there's a, I think the story of Stella is so fascinating because there's actually, I think a real wild streak in her that you don't get from first glance about her yes you know? yes oh god there's so much i had like 70 thoughts as you were talking to but i do love all the how everything is like choreographed i love just like what is it the foley artists that make all the sounds in movies where they just mm-hmm. like you know they're rubbing sandpaper together or whatever right but right like, mm-hmm. i just love that the, the sound of like commotion in 1950s movies it's just like chairs mm-hmm. And everything going, but I I just love how it it all happens so quickly. She's like, everybody, yeah. get out of here! And then it's like, yeah. smash, bang, boom, and it's just like, mm-hmm. and then she throws everyone out. I also love that a lot too. And I, I mean, I could, I, I wish I I mean, if you ever do an in the details episode about like her on the stairs, just like the journey mm-hmm. she takes from like, because if since we're talking about that fight and after he does hit her, she goes up to Eunice. Eunice's place, who also is a broad that can give it just as much as like she probably obviously gets it um, thrown back at her as well. By is it Steve? Why do, why did that name pop in my head? No, I don't know. there's no Steve in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Streetcar um, Name Desire with okay. co-star yeah. Steve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stella, Stanley, Steve. There seems I to know, be a bit a of a theme of here. here. Yeah, but um. It's like he's yelling for her and she she kind of grins just like a little bit. And then mm-hmm. she just it's almost like hypnotic. She gets up and 
God, I just like I could watch her walk down those stairs forever because she has all the power coming back down. Yes. And mm-hmm. she knows it. And it's also kind of tying into this whole sort of violence it's like a mix of violence but like also like such sexual attraction and like how Mm -hmm. they how what their chemistry is and how they work as a couple too and there are couples that work like that it's like i hesitate saying that because it is at the same time it's like it's an abusive relationship it's like we're calling Mm -hmm. a spade a spade here like she would never leave him she wouldn't i don't think there's any possibility of that ever happening except i say that and she says it at the end, she's not going back. But in the play, she doesn't. And the movie is, of course, it's just edited because it's all just, we need to punish the rapist. Yeah. And I'm obviously, in theory, yeah, like, certainly, but that's not the story. Yeah. That's not what this is about. And you're right. I think there's couples that, you know, uh, yeah, they quote unquote work like this and that this is how they continue to function. Mm-hmm. This is how, and I think for a lot of people, you know, certainly myself included, it's like, I would like to think that the moment somebody hit me or laid their hands on me, it would be over. Um, You know, uh, that would be like a pretty clear sign of like, okay, I'm done here. And I mean, I have, you know, I've certainly put up with bullshit in relationships in the past, but you know, nothing to this extent. But I think anyone could say, oh God, I would never put up with that. I would never tolerate that. You know, why doesn't she just get out of there? Like that is such a, it's such a cliche to say all that. And then you get in that situation. And I think that, well, Stella, I think certainly there's something about her and who she is and maybe what's happened to her in her life that got her to this point where there's something about her dynamic with Stanley that she does get something out of. But at the same time, we see the dance. We see that what we, what also happens is that he blows up and then he breaks down and then that maternal instinct, that desire to take care of people, to just, you know, um, you know, to, to answer that call mm-hmm. is so powerful for Stella. That, and that's how it happens, is that he he kind of comes back as a pussycat and starts purring, and you're not supposed to remember that he was roaring yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. And oh, she gets ahead. seduced yes. by that. Yeah. There's something about, like, a big burly man, like, being sensitive to that you're just like, oh. See, I can I can help you here, and, and this is this is mm-hmm. my role now. And I think there's something yeah. that she quite enjoys about that situation, that dynamic, like the coming, the just sauntering down those steps. Like it's okay, I'm mm-hmm. here, you know. And the way that she kind of yeah. like he's kneeling to her. I just love the blocking, and she just like takes her mm-hmm. head, takes his head, and then she like I love how she falls over him too. I love that like shot. Oh, it's, I mean, that moment, I think that was where I was just like wowed by the two of them. And thinking about Marlon Brando and Kim Hunter and that scene, like the work that they've done over the years to get that dynamic because they've done it on Broadway. Like the fact that this was, there was a silent conversation happening between these two characters and these two actors who knew how to do it. And like, I think it's just, it's from a, from that meta standpoint, it's really fascinating to watch them work because it feels it feels like a, a dance, like they're very much in mm. sync and they know they know the world they're inhabiting. And they um, yeah, that moment is so and I, and I think it's that, that moment is so informed because she's she's comforting him. She's also she's also really fucking horny. Like she, you can tell yeah, she's like she's ready, ready to fuck. Yeah. And I think what's really fascinating about Stella, as much as I love the the descent, you know, is uh, the next morning mm. is that the afterglow and to me, I mean, this is probably when she won it for me, was this scene. And part of me felt like, God, I, I have, I can't believe I'm watching an actress in 1951 right yeah, now. Yeah, yes. Um, I just love also how, like, Blanche is like, Stella, what are you doing? <laughs> I just oh, love that sort yeah. of, like, you can't go back there. And she's like, talk to the Stella hand. Kind it's of like, like, it's like, she's like producer Kristen on yeah. Teen Mom. She's like, but what are you doing? Oh, God. That one's for you, Amanda. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's so great. Um, and I mean, and there's part of me that's, it's, can you blame her for wanting to fuck Marlon Brando? Because my uh, God. Yeah. It's I mean, almost it, too much. It's been said, but it's, tr- it, it bears repeating. He is, it is, it, I mean, it, it, it's so, it's, 
I'm, I'm at a I know it's words. really too much. So take your time. It's take just your too time. Much. Spray yourself with I a spray bottle. I am leaning against the dishwasher. I am, I, you know, I'm, I'm Meryl Streep crying on the kitchen yes. floor about this right now. Uh, it's really, it's a level of male beauty that is just like, I'm just, I have. I'm normally fascinated by women acting, and in this case, I'm equally fascinated by Marlon Brando appearing. Yeah, even the first shot of him, he looks, this is going to sound weird, but he looks like he's not from 1951. He looks like he's like a modern day 2019, like, stud 2019. I don't even know yeah. what year it is anymore. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, of course, he's a, like a man of 1950. Like, it's just... I am so attracted to him, like from the first frame he and like it, it's just like that whole monologue that Blanche has about how he's like a beast and he has like animal like mm-hmm. instincts and how he's just like so I don't know primal. It's just like it adds to the sex appeal of him and and I think that also is like his acting too. Like he in in the play too. It, it I think it was one of the stage notes um, uh, that says. Like he, as soon as he meets a woman, he sizes her up to like, like to just mm-hmm. to know if it's like, you know, he's just automatically thinking of that, which like a lot of men do. Um, and you can yeah. see it happening very subtly when the moment he meets Blanche on screen too. It's like he, it's like the kind of look up and down, but he doesn't quite look all the way down. He's just kind of sizing her up because he is nice to her for like the first five minutes. He's like, where are you from, Blanche? Mm-hmm. I had to watch this with subtitles, by the way, because I couldn't understand a goddamn word he was saying. Oh, How does I he know, do that on I stage? Know. Right? I know. That was, I I feel like um, that would be an issue. I saw a year or so ago, there was a production of King Lear with Glenda Jackson. And it was like, maybe the night that I saw it, Charlie Brown's teacher was subbing in for Glenda oh, Jackson. No. I could not understand a word she was saying. That was a similar experience. I don't know. I don't know how he got away with that on stage, but there were a lot of lines where I was like, well, I don't know what you said, but I bet it was meaningful. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Um, I'm just still thinking about Marlon Brando. And and the fact that he just like takes off his shirt more than once in this movie is just like really mm-hmm. all I need. It's like, just wear suspenders only. <laughs> like, right. Right. Oh my God. I know. It's like it, suspenders. I don't mind the high waisted pants. It kind of yeah, adds to the fantasy. It does. It does. It's, yeah, he is really, I mean, I think there's that too of like, certainly he's beautiful, but I think as an actor in an American movie in the 1950s, there's an energy he has that like, you're not getting from Jimmy Stewart. Yes. You're not getting from like so many other actors who just feel so buttoned up and he feels like there's a volatility to him. Mm-hmm. And I, this is probably things everyone has said about Marlon Brando, but it's still like so affecting. It's still so powerful, even though everyone knows like the Stella moment and at the, it's become like this iconic sort of cultural meme. I still feel like the impact is, um, is not lessened. It's it, it feels like such a legendary performance. Yeah, there's more to it than that. Jeez, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I mean. <laughs> I'm fascinated by the cold plate of food that he's eating. I'm like, what's on that plate? It looks so oh, yeah. abysmal too. And she's like, I made you mm-hmm. a cold plate. He's like, gee, thanks. And he's just like picking salami off of plates. Uh, I... <laughs> I know, watching him eat, I was just like, yeah. I, I have never walked the line between grossed out and turned on so <laughs> so aptly you know (laughs) but he is he's like the definition of a blue collar like hunk of a man with like a short fuse and Mm -hmm. uh like when he when he has to say like i'm the king of this house it's just like it's so interesting how both stella and blanche they immediately put their heads down they're just kind of like yeah i just think that's like fascinating like I, I don't want to say choreography, but like we talk a lot about physical drama and like your mm-hmm. instinct to just, you're like protecting yourself, but you're not quite like hiding. It's one step above hiding under the table while he just throws yeah. shit around the room too. And, but I do right. love that Kim Hunter grabs her plate before he can get to it because mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. woman might have let him take it and throw it, but she, she right. held on because that was her sort of like enough of this now like you stop yeah i love that and i think like there's that moment where it's like the classic response of like just duck your head and wait and then there's that quiet defiance of like holding her plate and then it's like the transition of then going outside and she is 
there's no fear in her voice. She's like, she basically is like, well, now you've really done it, you know? And like, she admonishes him. And I think that's, it's those notes where like, she, it's surprising. It's like, oh, you're not tiptoeing around mm-hmm. him. Like that's, that's the expected note. And I, um, it makes it all feel even more dangerous because she's not, she, <clears throat> she's not afraid of Stanley. Yeah. Like she, it's, it, I feel like it's like people who live in like a, you know, a play, an area of, of the world where there's a lot of earthquakes or a lot of hurricanes. Yeah. And you're like, yep, just got to wait this one out. All right. Yeah. Anything fall down? All right. Great. Like she just doesn't get rattled mm-hmm. by them anymore. Yeah. After that poker night, it's like, God, cleaning up that mess the next morning. It's just like everything. Oh. That whole apartment, which I love that apartment. Like the stairs. I want those stairs like in my house. I know you probably. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, I wouldn't mind. A, I wouldn't mind a second floor. Yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, apparently the set, what they did is like throughout the movie, the walls actually close in Ooh. and the set gets smaller oh, and I love smaller. That. To kind of like demonstrate, like you know, the the walls closing in on yeah, Blanche. yeah. Well, obviously, Vivian Lee won Best Actress, yep. and um, Carl Malden won Best Supporting Actor. I think totally deserved. I it's shocking to me that Marlon Brando did not win for Best Actor. It went to Humphrey Bogart for The African Queen. Yeah, uh, which I just, I mean, I I saw that movie a million years ago, and I don't think it was. I, I I'd love to know the story there. I'm sure there is some politics there of why. You know, Hollywood legend Humphrey Bogart got the Oscar versus unknown Marlon Brando. Yeah, um, I think in that interview I was watching with, um, I almost said Lee Grant, uh, Kim Hunter, uh, she was saying, like, it was a shame that Marlon didn't win. I love his first name is Marlon. Marlon. Sounds so strange. Yeah, right? Because it sounds great with Marlon Brando, but Marlon, anyway. Uh, wouldn't it have been awesome to, like, have all four categories just sweep? I just love that shit. I know. I that. Yeah, it's it's never happened before, and the only other time there's been three acting wins is Network. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So Beatrice Strait is part of that legacy. Ugh. Yeah, that makes good me feel B. good. Uh Good old B. Don't fuck B. Yeah. <laughs> fuck B. <laughs> fuck B. <sighs> um, I would love to see B. Beatrice Strait as Blanche. Ooh, I know. There's so many people. It's like... Yeah. That voice, you know, that I'm your wife, damn it. Like hearing that voice doing Blanche. And ah. there's so much, and I, I see this a lot in Blue Jasmine too with Kate Blanchett. I mean, if you haven't seen that yet, everyone, go please see i know it's woody allen i know that's problematic but uh the performance is great but what vivian lee does with her voice in certain circumstances where it kind of goes down to the basement like i was loving Mm -hmm. that i was just like yes yes because anytime she Mm -hmm. meets a man she's kind of up here and just like talking and then when she you know when she slips out of that because we all know people like this we all know people that are putting on some sort of like i guess in some ways we are all performing as we walk out into the world and interact with people but blanche more than others to keep this oh i would just be so tired i'd be so tired and i think that's kind of what mm-hmm. ultimately happens i mean we could we could go into um to blanche but we're we're not here to dissect every moment a nuance of vivian lee but it's it's incredible like both of these women are so fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I think Vivian Lee, it's like you could do a whole podcast yeah. series about her performance. It she hits so many notes and like throughout a scene will just kind of there's so many micro moments that she has. And you know, and moments where I feel like especially as she starts to lose it towards the end of the movie, where it's so exciting. Like she just I think the scene where she's like frantically gathering up her stuff and it's like the shoulders of her dress fall down and like there's something so disheveled about yes. her and it it's like fascinating just like watching her watching her act like watching her work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and then i think you know her her total breakdown at the end when she's like on the floor is very hard to watch yeah. like it's it's such a transformation and i think you know i'm always kind of impressed especially by actors who you don't expect to see really let loose like that yes. um it's just uh, it's so exciting i think it's like um watching Robin Williams do a dramatic role. It's like, oh my God, we don't get to see this. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. Um, Yeah, I do wish that it was more like the play in those last like couple of minutes. I just really wanted to see Mm -hmm. shit like thrown over like the whole apartment and she's like just roaring. Oh, I know. I know. I I needed a full like 
I needed more of that. But at that point, I was like so exhausted for vividly. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's done enough. She's yeah, done so much. Take her away to just, rest somewhere and give her an Oscar. Like she's just worked so yeah. hard. Um, <clears throat> and apparently, like there were sort of some conflicts on set because she was kind of the outsider and she did come from a different acting style. And, and from what I had read, that she was just like so desperate to make a good movie and to like make it work is that she'd be like the first one on set and the last one to leave. Like, yeah, Vivian Lee, uh, great movie. Great movie. Kim Hunter, uh, fabulous actress. Um, I mean, it's a shame Kim Hunter, she kind of, uh, her career really got stalled by the house on American committee and she got blacklisted. And, um, so I feel like, you know, she never really became like a movie star, but I think, She's got kind of a Barbara Harris quality, but she like she does good work. Yes, you know. Yes, which we love. Yeah. We love that. Yeah, we love those queens. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So that of course uh, is as our is our thoughts on Kim Hunter and Streetcar Named Desire. We um we are, we do not have a BSA today yeah, segment today. Kind of quiet this week. We'll see what the ladies are up to next week, but not a lot of casting. You know. Yeah, we'll catch up later. Memorial Day weekend, you know, sometimes they take a Yeah, break. taking a long weekend, uh, yeah. <gasps> taking a long weekend. Uh, so that kind of brings us right to our Best Supporting Actress, be our BSA of the Week yes. nominations and wins. BSA of the Week for uh, listeners who don't know and should be, you know, I'm sure everybody knows at this point, but it is uh, <laughs> any sort of performance or actor or food or thing or song or anything in our lives that is acting as the Best Supporting Actress mm. in our lives. Um Go for it. Do you have any nominees? Uh, I do have a nominee. Um, I I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna flip mine. Actually, I thought I would maybe go the other way, but um, feeling crazy. Um, my because mm-hmm. I have yet to use it, but I'm very excited for it. I posted uh, about it on Instagram the other day. I bought a Keurig, Colin. A Keurig. Oh, yes. Okay. And it's a little baby one. It's like a sleek. It's a one cupper. Um, I've been I've been eyeing them up at Target for the longest time too, but um. Kiana, it is a, a subject of contention with Kiana and I because um, you cannot recycle K cups. At least you cannot oh. recycle K cups easily, is what I found. So, mm-hmm. what you have to do is you have to clean out the entire cup. You have to take off the uh, the the you know the the thing on the top, the lid. <laughs> Couldn't remember the mm-hmm. name. And then you actually have to like wash out all the grinds, and then you can recycle it. So, but I've got used. To, I mean, being with Kian five years now, like we we recycle a lot of stuff too. So I'm kind of used to like cleaning out stuff like that, and I don't intend mm-hmm. to use it all the time it's just like we're gonna have our typical pot of coffee this is so exciting talking about my coffee rituals by the way (laughs) everyone is just engrossed um yeah well i'll make i'll make the pot of coffee in the morning but i kind of always i I want that like three o'clock cup of coffee you know that two thirty, three o'clock where Mm -hmm. i just want one more cup and i don't really want to brew a whole pot again so i'm really excited for it it's like a cute color blue um i'm super excited for the keurig um how about you? Do you have any nominees before you get into your BSA of the week? Um, do I have any nominees? I don't think so. I mean, I, I imagine we'll do a longer episode on Mrs. America. Oh, yes. So maybe I'll save my thoughts, but I'll just kind of say as a as a uh, as a little preview, a tease, yes, a tease, if you will. I do have a lot of thoughts about it, um, and there's elements of it that I'm really loving, and there's just like a couple of things where I'm like. Mm, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, but that's you know, uh, that is what it is. But sure. anyway, I would so I would say there's probably you know I'll nominate that it's because it is so lady heavy and so BSA heavy mm. that it is worth a watch for anyone listening right now who has not seen it. It's on Hulu. It's an FX show, I think. Yeah. Um, but that would be my only like potential nominee. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I could go right into my winner yes, for go BSA for of the it, week. By all means. Yeah. So I just watched the other night with a couple of friends. We kind of, you know, we do these like Zoom movie nights. Ooh. And so we just watched this 1947 movie called Black Narcissus. Oh, I've heard and of that actually. Yeah. So it often shows up in the like BSA, like um, those those YouTube compilations in terms of like, oh, uh... who should have been nominated. I feel like the um, there's a performance. So the movie is about these nuns who um, open up a school in like an old... Um, run down palace in the Himalayas, you know, <laughs> um, and that they're there that used to be basically like a, a home for the, you know, emperor's concubines or something. Sure. And now they want to turn it into a school. And uh, it's kind of how the 
I think being there, like they all, they all kind of start to fall, fall apart. It starts to affect all of them differently and, you know, challenges their, um, their vows to the, you know, to, to being a nun or, you know, challenges other different points of view and other things kind of happen along the way. And so one of the nuns, really the BSA of the movie is Sister Ruth, played by Kathleen Byron. And she, she's the one who shows up in those compilations a lot. Ooh. And it's, I mean, it's a beautiful movie. It definitely moves. It feels like a movie from 1947. Yes. So you kind of have to like accept um, some of what we were talking about with like the plaints of strings in the background. Yes. You know, uh, scoring every moment. Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful. I mean, just, you know, the colors of it. It's just, it's a stunning movie to watch. And it, it's got some really great performances. And then Kathleen Byron plays Sister Ruth, who uh, really starts to lose her marbles and uh, becomes, oh, I mean, I don't want to ruin it, but I just have to say there is, <clears throat> there's a scene towards the end where she appears. And I, I rarely, I mean, I am that kind of gay to gasp at an acting moment. <laughs> I am not ashamed this was such a gasp. This was such a, actually it's so in line with Sweetcar Named Desire because it was a moment where I was like, is this 1947? Yeah. Like what? It, it completely just like, and I think part of it was because it was, um, uh, the, you know, it was like a remastered version. The, the movie looked beautiful. Okay. The shot was very sort of modern, but she, a door opens and she appears and it is haunting. Like I can't stop thinking about it. I'm telling you, <clears throat> you could probably just watch, you could find like just watch the scene, but I feel like the impact of watching the whole movie and then that yes, moment is adds so powerful. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. So that, <laughs> I mean, is just sticking with me. It was like one of the most, like I just got chills and I couldn't believe this movie about nuns could affect me so much. Yeah. So um, I recommend it. It's just, what a micro moment. Um, is it something you would have to purchase or is it streaming anywhere just for our listeners if they wanted to check in or watch um, it? I know that it's on the Criterion channel Ooh, if you have that app, okay. which has a lot of great movies. I, I uh, It's a subscription worth getting. Um, otherwise, I think you might just have to rent it. Is the Criterion channel like comparable as far as like price point like to like Netflix or Hulu or is it like is it like super I outrageous? Be- no, I think it's more in line with that. Okay. It's, you know, I think it's like maybe I'm paying 12 bucks a okay. month or something that's, like that's that. Doable, but yeah. it's it's worth it. Yes. I mean, they just, they have such a great selection. They curate so many movies. Yes. And it's, I feel like they I, know their audience. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a more informed movie watcher sure, because yeah. I'm watching their They're movies. films, so, not movies. Films. Yeah. Yeah. Films. Yeah. This is, these are films. <laughs> these are films, girl. Um, <laughs> Uh, so what's your BSA of the week? Ooh, okay. So I, on Friday night, I had, I just had such a, I, maybe it was Thursday. doesn't matter what night it was, but I feel like it was either Thursday mm. or Friday of last week. I know you haven't gone down this rabbit hole. Part of me just wants to like mail you the two seasons of this TV show and just have you watch it because of just the pure ridiculousness and beauty of this show. But, um... It's a little show called Smash, and they had oh. um, um, they filmed it. Uh, I don't even know. I feel like it was like five or six years ago. It within the mo- within the TV show Smash, they are creating a musical about Marilyn Monroe, and <clears throat> Megan Hilty and Catherine McPhee are the two like competing Marilyns, and it's clearly Megan Hilty because although Catherine McPhee has a wonderful voice, Megan Hilty is a superstar and like a Broadway vet and. Um, they had like a one night only bombshell concert. Bombshell is the name of the musical within Smash that they're creating. And mm-hmm. they just, it was like a benefit for the Actors Fund. And they just re aired it uh, through like uh, like Broadway World and like a whole bunch of different um, platforms, I guess, too. And I loved it. I was getting my life. And I, I, I was home by myself because Keon went to visit a friend, I think. And I just poured like a Manhattan and I was just loving it. And it made me oh really miss God. Smash. Unfortunately, Angelica Houston did not make an appearance. It's okay though. But um, I, mm. God, it's like, I, I would never force you to watch all like, cause they're like 24 episodes each, but it's only two seasons. And I would just be so curious to see what you'd have to say. But uh, Smash is a huge part right. of my, um, I don't even know what you would call it, but my, uh, my culture, it shaped my culture, yeah. my 2012 culture when I was living with Amanda Kaczynski. We lived and breathed and uh, for that show. Uh, and I was really excited for it, and I loved it. So God bless Smash and Megan Hilty. 
uh, and, and a couple other people. Uh, and Jeremy Jordan was really great. And I don't know if you know Jeremy Jordan, but he's yeah. also super... I went to college with oh, Jeremy Jordan. Oh, that's right. Ithaca Boys. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, we right. were in the same floor in the same dorm in freshman year. Um, my Jeremy Jordan story is always that I he was in a production of The Mystery of Edwin Drood. Yes. <clears throat> and it was like, and he had like a, a, a pretty good sized role for a freshman. And so I saw him in it, and then I saw him in the bathroom, and I was just making small talk. And I was like, hey, I saw you in Edwin Drood. You were really great. And he was just like, oh, yeah, thanks. <gasps> and like, he just wasn't very gracious about yeah. it. And ever since, I'm like, ugh, fuck Jeremy Jordan. <laughs> so I understand people love him, but, yes. you know, uh, I had a bad run-in with him in the Talcott Hall bathroom ugh, in 2003. Yeah. I'd say another um, a highlight is just because uh, Deborah Messing was in Smash. She played, of Grace, course, basically, um, but a, 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 a different kind of Grace. But she did. They did these like dramatic readings between each song, like words from Marilyn Monroe's like diary, and Deborah Messing like you know pulled out the readers. She put her glasses on and just read. It was so. She was just living for it, the attention and everything else too, which I loved. Oh. Um, so that Deborah Messing living for the attention. Yeah, that's the super cut. Oh, I love yeah. it. I loved it. Um, yeah. So that's that. Yeah. Well, maybe at some point, maybe I will get on the Smash bandwagon, and eventually we can do the BSAs. Of Smash. Oh, Colin, that would just be too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to make it like a two episode arc or something like that. Yeah. I would yeah. gladly mail those out too. Cause I have them on DVD and I don't know if they're All streaming right. unless you have like NBC.com or you have cable or something. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but I, I'll look into it. I'll do some investigating. And if I need, I'll, I'll ask for a mailing yes. and um, yes. <clears throat> I'll do my homework. Yes. Uh, great. All right. Well, uh, what a what a smashing good idea yeah. that is. Yeah. And that cued the music. I knew a bad Ooh, joke would get it. it. And that cued the music. So we're getting played off. Um, and so before we do, before the streetcar heads up down up one way and down Ooh, the yes. other, uh, where uh, where could folks find more of you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. And starting the first week of June, the No Good Very Bad Gay podcast is back. Oh, fabulous. Kicking off with an All About Eve episode, and um, that's all I'm going to say. But I'm excited. I'm very excited. All right. How about you, Colin? Uh, well, of course, you can find more of me on In the Details, a celebration of nuance. And All Right, Mary, we are now just wrapping up our recap of Season 12 but yeah. of Drag Race. But, of course, All Stars 5 is hot on the heels, so we're not going anywhere. Um you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And I think that's all the things you're going to find. I guess you could find us on Twitter at BSA Pod. And uh, if they wanted to email us, where could they email us? You can send any of your thoughts on Kim Hunter or any of these fabulous actors um, in this movie to thebsapod at gmail.com. Fabulous. Well, I want to thank everybody, everybody for their participation yeah. this, this week, whether it be Deborah Messing or Vivian Lee oh, yeah. or um, Jessica Lang, Jessica Lang, Jessica Tandy, Jessica Tandy, original Blanche Dubois. Yeah. Amy Madigan, Amy Ryan, uh, any other Amy's? I'm sure Amy Brenneman maybe did a reading of this somewhere once. Yeah. Nick uh, Jonas. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Jonas. Future. You know, we are obviously. I'm not thanking Jeremy Jordan because of what happened yes. in the bathroom oh, all those years ago. <laughs> it's fine, though. It's fine. It's uh, fine. I'm yeah. not. At least I'm not bitter. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I think those are enough thank yous. So uh, we're gonna leave you, and uh, the way we're gonna leave you is by saying that, as they say, <laughs> is seamless. Just absolutely seamless. Is that <laughs> toot toot? <laughs> beep beep. <laughs>